This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, you can pretty much go through and, and look at any huge UFO event over the last 40, 50, 60 years and tune in whatever comedian was speaking at the time and find them making jokes about it, depicting UFO experiencers as lunatics and feeding it back to people and making it impossible for people to come forward because they're terrified of being ridiculed by people like me. So comedians have had a lot to do with the uh, suppression of the real data uh, over the last 70 years. And I feel like as a, as a comedian, I kind of want to point that out to people, especially people who do comedy like I do, and sort of get them to think about it in a little more clever and, and knowledgeable way. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Hey guys, Ryan Sprague here. A little context for this week's episode. This was a virtual panel I took part in, hosted by UFO Jane, over at the Weird UFO Show on YouTube. She pulled off an entire day of UFO content, from 9am to 11pm, and it was epic. It was called the UFO Lockdown. There was live alien-themed music, one-on-one interviews, live tarot card readings, flying humanoid, encrypted talk, and of course, UFOs. There was also a really fascinating conversation with past Somewhere in the Sky's guest and quantum computing CEO, Deep Prasad. So be sure to go over to the UFO Jane YouTube channel and check out all of the archived content over there right now. So the main event of the night was a panel I was honored to take part in, hosted by UFO Jane and featuring investigative filmmaker Jeremy Corbell and actor-comedian Dave Foley. We talked about everything from the Navy UFO videos to Bob Lazar and anti-gravitic theory. Then we went deep into the perception of UFOs by the mainstream and perception in general when it comes to seeing is believing and believing is seeing. And then we just go full on with consciousness. So get ready to think, theorize, and to take a super fun ride with us. If you want to watch the video version of this panel, it's available on the UFO Jane YouTube channel as well. But here we go right now with UFO Lockdown Uncensored. Mm. That's awesome. There's a bit of a delay. I just got so the Irish for the folks at home, we are live, but it's just like real live TV. There's a bit yeah. of a delay, but there's no bleep button. <laughs> no. Well, that, well, that's Watch the language. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. God damn it. Um, I should have worn a different shirt. Just, that's like vape. That's, that's, that's baby swearing compared to what I like. 
Well, yeah, hey, uh, hey, my UFO we're live, so um, yeah. let's just, I'm, everybody has yeah. their own group of people that have come to this live stream, so I do want to give you a proper intro, All and right. just, of course, before we start out, just thank you, thank you for being here. Everybody here is doing this for free. Everybody who has participated in the UFO Lockdown Fest has done it for free. Shops giving out discounts, giveaways. Um, thank you to everybody who's here watching, who's joining the live chat. This has just been amazing. Cool. And we'll right. continue for the folks at home. We'll do the proper introduction because they're, they're well-deserved. Okay. And so we've got Ryan Sprague. So he's UFO author, researcher, has a very popular podcast, Somewhere in the Skies. And then, of course, Dave Foley doesn't need an introduction, but, well, you know, like, it. I'll try. You know him from news radio, Kids in the Hall. Writer, director, producer, and our home fondly know him as Flick from A Bug's Life and Principal McIntyre in It's Always Sunny. Thank you so much for being here. Jeremy will be hopefully joining us soon. Oh, I need to let him in. (laughs) That'll help. He's knocking. (laughs) There he is. Okay. Uh, Sorry about that. I got it figured out. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Yeah. Let's start the UFO Jane show. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. No, no, no. I want to get out of it. This is, here. Yeah, this is um all you guys. And we were just about to intro you, Jeremy. So okay. what's perfect. going on? I can hear perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So perfect timing. So here we have Jeremy Corbell, amazing filmmaker. You've got Bob Lazar, UFOs and Flying Saucers that is still on Netflix. Yeah, Bob Lazar, mm-hmm. Area 51, and Flying Saucers is still on Netflix. I don't mean that in a, ba- in a criticizing way. I'm just used to seeing things come and go, and people are obviously oh, yeah. watching, yeah, no, and watching nothing's, it again. And- nothing's going to go from Netflix for a while now. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's true. Netflix is uh, the entertainment industry, especially about UFOs. It's going to be in a kind of real lacking for a while. Netflix picked up uh, Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers for uh, probably at least another year, one more year. Uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker is on Hulu, and uh, you can find all my films, obviously, just on all pay-per-view platforms. But yeah, UFOs are having a run. You know, the world has changed recently about the topic, as we all know. Um, I just want to, first of all, thank uh, everybody who's joining us. Um, Jane set this up, set up this whole day of UFOs, Ryan, great to see you. We're all fans of your work and, and Dave Foley, who's got a lot to say on the UFO topic and somebody I really like here talk about it. So yeah, thanks for having me really excited. I'm, I'm glad a lot of people are tuning in and thank you guys. And thank you everybody for joining. we got a nice, nice crowd here. So all right. So how are you? It's interesting that. Like you said, people are locked into Netflix. They're locked into their homes. We're all locked in. How are you guys holding up right now? Are you still interested in UFOs right now? That seems like an obvious question, but <laughs> but maybe maybe it's not. I mean, how are your feelings, Dave, on UFOs since everything's happened? Uh, well, it's weird because I, I yeah I because I I I've been very distracted by uh, the world not dying. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, yeah, and it's kind of, so, so it's kind of fun to be doing this again. Um, but yeah, I, I, I have, it's cause I was so excited. It felt like things were moving towards a, a, an amazing 2020 in terms of UFOs and, 
and public knowledge and awareness and uh, um, respectability uh, in the mainstream. And uh, and it's almost like uh, this was all just done to fuck up to the Stars Academy. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's the case. Well, I, I mean, I'll say back, back, back in the day, Ryan, I don't know. Do you remember there being rumors, wait, and maybe others do, way, way back in the day of there being some kind of UFO and alien disclosure and people were always predicting 2020? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we. I feel like that's a yearly thing at this point. We do have the <laughs> yeah. um, the disclosure yeah. crowd. It's like who, what I uh, predict: the Maple Leafs are going to win the Stanley Cup. Exactly, <laughs> man. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Uh, and um, this this was our year. This totally was our year. Yeah, seemed yeah. like it. So, but it really did seem like this year was different, though, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was such a such a. It was in the zeitgeist. It was becoming in the mainstream zeitgeist that that people were taking it seriously, and politicians were talking about it. Yeah, it was definitely building towards something. Uh, now it's def it's definitely been sidelined by this. Yeah, I I would have to agree with Dave. I think we were on a really really good fast narrow path in terms of UFOs in the mainstream, and I mean honestly, that came with. Uh, the New York Times, it came with uh, with Jeremy's documentaries, and it came with To the Stars. And I, I will be honest, I, as a UFO researcher who's been in the game for a really long time now, like it was stuffy, it was boring, it was, you know, static. And then, boom, we just got this injection of blood, whether it was through Jeremy's films or um, books coming out by new authors interested in the UFO topic, uh, Tom DeLonge, whoever. I was, I'm just riding the wave and it's been an incredible ride. And to see people um, like Dave getting involved and everything, like these are things we never expected to see in our little niche community that just seems to have grown exponentially in the last few years. And I do agree with Dave. I think it's sidelined right now um, for the mainstream perception of ufology, but Jane stuff like what you're doing here, I think the UFO community is more, connected now than ever i've been seeing so many panels and virtual conferences and stuff like that going on so i'm excited you know as much as i hate being locked down in the epicenter of this shit it's um it's been really good for my own personal research and um and just point of view as a human i guess yeah the the world has has a wound right now and you know we're all trying to figure out what tomorrow is going to look like and what we've seen is that our priorities have shifted and i think it's a good thing there's a lot of beauty that is going to come from everybody having to be more introspective having to see what a priority truly is in their lives what they value the most these things that not only show us that boundaries are completely false, that maps are just something that we've created, that we are, as Dave and I were talking about earlier today, mm-hmm. completely interconnected, you know, a sad way to figure that out, but we are connected mm-hmm. to the planet, we're connected to each other, and all the boundaries we've created are completely fictitious. You know, this is something that I think will inspire a lot of understanding, creativity, And like any challenge, as we go through this all together in our own way, because certainly all quarantines are not created equal, uh, you know, which is a positive or negative thing, but it's the reality. Uh, The UFO phenomenon, it's been with us since 
as far as we can tell, before the beginning of recorded human history, but for sure since the beginning of recorded human history. So this interest that we have, we might not see it on Fox News like we did a year ago, but I am very confident in saying that that was just the beginning, that there's a lot more that will be coming into the public realm and will kind of re-inspire that big question. Uh, you know, the question is, are we alone in the universe? Second is, are they coming here? So that's kind of like, look, man, we got to take care of the wound. We got to take care of each other. It has an opportunity to revolutionize the way that we understand our connectivity and our connection to one another. And then I think we'll be more formidable in our ability to tackle the bigger questions that it's, you know, just not hunting, eating, sleeping, and fucking, right? Something Dave and I were talking about before, but we'll mm -hmm. be able to look at these topics in a different way. So look, man, it's not going away. Been here a long time. And here we are in uncertainty. And let's kind of see what happens from here. But I'm very optimistic. Yeah, well, yeah. I should say um, the UFO lockdown, I very much feel inspired by you, Jeremy. And I met Jeremy and Dave. So Dave is an actor comedian. Jeremy is, it would make sense that we would cross paths, but we met at Area 51 a year ago for the very peaceful storm area or storm base camp, Area 51 base camp, not the storm area 51 that was infamous on Facebook. And so we got to meet there. I knew Ryan from before, and that was such an awesome event. And it was you, it, you and other people pulled together it together so quickly and in a time when it was really needed. And so it definitely feels very similar this week. So I was really inspired by that. The, the only difference is I, I called Dave Foley and Dave, we weren't like super tight yet or anything, but I called you and said, mm -hmm. hey, man, jump in a car, get to the desert. I got a dwelling for you. It's <laughs> by Air 51. People thinking they're going to storm it. It's going to be awesome, man. It's going to be awesome. And and you did. <laughs> you did. And that was wild. What, what did you think of that, Dave? You know, there's a lot of misconceptions about Storm Air 51. We were there. We were there for the yeah. main event. What, what do you think a, about it? It was a beautiful. I mean, it was a wonderful event. I mean, it wasn't the, the insane uh, event that some people were uh, fearing or others were hoping for, I guess. But it was just a wonderful, like, uh, incredibly sort of peaceful, um, interesting gathering of people just in the desert, you know, enjoying music and, and, and enjoying talking about uh, UFO phenomena and um you know, and just being out there was, you know, just was a really wonderful experience. And uh, yeah, and my trailer was fantastic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I put extra cushy pillows in there. So like as yeah. a comedian, I'm just curious. I mean, I want you to repent. But as a comedian, can you tell me like mm -hmm. what weaponry the, the comedy has served in the form of uh, dismissing the UFO topic and then why you've decided to talk about it in a more serious light? Well, that's the thing. I like, you know, for me, I realized that my my people, my my sub sub uh, uh, sub phylum, I guess we call it, of the of the human species, comedians, <laughs> has done an awful lot to contribute to the the systematic uh, ridiculing of the UFO phenomena and of people who have experienced it. You know, this. Uh, you know, you can pretty much go through and and look at any huge UFO event over the last forty, fifty, sixty years. 
and tune in whatever comedian was speaking at the time and find them making jokes about it and always dismissing it. And it's always, you know, you know, uh, depicting UFO experiencers as lunatics and, um, you know, and, and just tapping into the, the most absurd description of the phenomenon that was fed to us by uh, the government and feeding it back to people and making it impossible for people to come forward because they're terrified of being ridiculed by people like me. So, uh, you know, so, so comedians have had a lot to do with the uh, suppression of the real data uh, over the last 70 years. And I feel like as a, as a comedian, I kind of want to point that out to people, especially people who do comedy like I do. And sort of get them to think about it in a little more clever and, and knowledgeable way. And maybe just stop, uh, you know, stop being a tool of, uh, of repression. We should all, all stop being tools, Dave. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I can only, I can only tackle one stopping being one particular kind of tool at a time. <laughs> that, that's a good point because it, I mean, don't, don't put it on yourself, Dave. I mean, it's, it's in every industry and field is even within mm-hmm. the ufology field. You have people mm-hmm. that give it a bad name. What about you? Oh, you yeah. right? What do you think? So there's like, well, we, we have a lot of comedians yeah. to give comedy a bad name too. Well, do you get any, do you see any, do you see any of the UFO? Do you participate in the UFO Twitter at all, Dave? I was going to, I know that Ryan knows the hashtag, but um, Uh yeah, I mean, there's a lot of UFO debate in chat. So like, where does every, I'm assuming that we're all appreciative of to the stars Academy yeah, and, and what has been accomplished there, but there's a lot of people who, are very skeptical of it. No. And, Where do you think that's coming from? Any, yeah. any group of people at all that get involved in any uh, endeavor uh, have a tremendous capacity for uh, really dumb backbiting. Uh, you know, and I think so that's any group, any group that gathers anywhere. There's always going to be some people that are just going to embarrass you and attack each other for no good reason. And, and, and just sort of set everybody back. Uh, and that, that definitely seems to be the case in the UFO community that there are a lot of people who are just very uh, uh, non-constructive, I guess, mm-hmm. and territorial. And, uh, and I think I usually, usually sort of feel like any endeavor when you get really territorial about things and it's all about, I, Oh, I'm, this new bit of information is undermining the thing I've been putting forward. So I better attack that new bit of information. Mm-hmm. You know, as opposed to getting excited about anything, you know, like I always said, the you know the only arguments worth having are the ones you lose. Oh, that's you good. know, yeah. So uh, you know, you never, you never, you never learn anything from winning an argument. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so I'm, you know, I'm, and when I, whenever I, I find out I was wrong about something, I find it kind of exciting, uh, and I think that's something that should be applied to any any field. I'd like to add, Jay, too. I agree with Dave. I think, um, you know the word constructive is extremely important. We need skeptics in this field, this quote unquote field. We need them. Like it's necessary. And I, I'm sure all four of us, five of us, excuse me. I was not including myself and six. I see the alien in the background there. Um, (laughs) uh, We all are skeptic to some degree. Um, But Mm -hmm. when, when Dave says it comes to attacking and straight up, (laughs) straight up debunking um, immediately without even, asking someone. I mean, I see Jeremy deal with this on a freaking daily basis of people coming at him talking about Bob Lazar and 
they say mm-hmm. the same damn like five words every time without even looking at it. If you go back yeah. and look at any news, uh, you know, segment about UFOs where there's a believer or someone, you know, a proponent of the UFO phenomenon and a skeptic, they don't even know what case they're on there to talk about. They just know exactly yeah. what they're going to say. It was yeah. Venus. It was this. And they don't even put the legwork in. So I think that applies to Twitter, too. I think there's a lot of um, people on Twitter who are mm-hmm. just there to um, only amplify that tribalism. But uh, end of the day, I mean, I love yeah. talking to everyone on uh, UFO Twitter. It's it's fun. It's entertaining. Um, yeah. But you, you got to remain, you know, I, yeah, you got to sure remain I, respectful. If, I'm not sure if I've delved into you. To UFO Twitter, you have it's, it's basically know, Twitter. Anytime you talk you about UFOs, yeah. yeah. I mean, I follow all of you guys. Let, let, you know, and <laughs> George Knapp, and uh, you know. Let, let me make uh, a a comment here. So, uh, about Twitter and about our ability to communicate about UFOs and and about skepticism, Dave Foley has actually said some things to me that were very powerful about this. You know, there's he, he has an analogy that maybe you'll share with us about Occam's razor Mm -hmm. after I say this, but you know, the basic thing is skepticism is one thing, right? The, The idea that you critically look at something to try to determine if there's weight or validity to it, because none of us want to look a fool. None of us want to be wrong. However, I think that's a huge mistake. As you said earlier, Jane, or I think it was you, you know, it's through loss. Like when I was a mixed martial athlete, when I was doing that, it was always the losses that taught me how to better resolve for the you know future problems. Jiu-jitsu is like problems. You're solving them as you go. So this idea of communication with Twitter and ufology and skepticism. Yeah, every day I deal with this. You know, I people ask the same questions over and over. And the questions, the tones are loaded with preconception. I've completely ignore. I block, delete, don't read, hatred, uh, venom, that kind of thing. It's too much coming in. My my life has changed greatly since my movies. It's too much coming in. So there are pressure points we can push. Those that are interested in finding out if the UFO topic has enough merit scientifically, sociologically, and personally, to to give it value, to give it time, those are the people that it's you're you're required to answer them. I, I do believe that. I believe it is our duty and our job to be honest and straightforward and answer. But when the conversation devolves into a point and a perspective where people are just trying to prove their own standpoint, it's a waste of space, a waste of breath. So my tactic is drop it and leave it, but then jump in later. And people that are really interested, I'm going to go through it. Now, the number one problem I have with you know s- social media and the UFO topic is people wanting everything now and wanting it the easy way. If I tell you my opinion on something, you're not going to be swayed you're going to be able to drop that opinion later if, if it wasn't formed and forged through the fire of your own desire and your own look at stuff. So you need to investigate. A lot of the questions I get are things that are already answered, the same things that have been answered for 30 years, like about Bob Lazar. However, the concept 
that we can communicate. As long as nobody says something mean or terrible, you know, let's talk about it. But if it's something that's been answered before, I'm going to say, go do the work. Go look into it. Go build your own personal Akashic record of information. Form your own opinion. Now, Dave Foley had a very interesting point that he told me about Occam's razor. So not to get Mm -hmm. into specifics with Lazar or whatever, but just the basic concept you've told me, Dave. Can you tell us that? It was basically my reaction to people like Michael Shermer, who, um, you know, you know, and the notion that they'll, they'll apply Occam's razor uh, in 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 inaccurately because Occam's razor doesn't say that the most boring answer is correct. It says that the the simplest answer is correct. You know, uh, but they've taken that to be just the, whatever is the most banal answer. That's the one you're going to have to accept, even if it is you have to jump through multiple loops to accept it. Like Michael Shermer saying the Tic Tac video was a product of. Uh, uh, exhaustion on the part of, part of the pilots, uh, equipment error on the on the uh, onboard uh, uh, radar and infrared cameras, combined with equipment error in the radar rooms of you know of the uh, the ships below, uh, combined with uh, errors in perception by the trained pilots in two jets, well three jets actually if you count the one that three went out actually video dead. Uh, so you have to accept that uh, a trained pilot couldn't tell the difference between the exhaust flare of another uh, jet and uh, the tic-tac that he clearly observed. And you have to accept that at the exact same time, the uh, the, the radar, the most advanced radar in the world, uh, got a false reading on a craft that exactly matched the movements of the craft that uh, David Fravor was observing. So you have to believe all of these things happened and, and that he was exhausted and hallucinating. Uh, in order, And this is also coming from people who've never spoken with Commander Fravor. And th- yeah. this is coming from, yeah, and that, that to me is the most annoying because, yeah. you know, my whole investigation began going into the Nimitz encounters way before it was ever known yeah. and speaking and with people said, directly. And with Occam's Razor, the simplest explanation for what happened is he saw exactly what he described. Right. Yeah. That's a simple, that doesn't say what it is that he saw. Doesn't say how it flies. Doesn't say where it's from, but Occam's razor says the simplest explanation for what happened that day is everybody saw exactly what they described. Yep. Yeah. Dave. I mean, if even one of those things Michael Shermer said is true, those people should not be in the Navy. I mean, straight no. up. No, Those aren't the people we want Ubers. defending our exactly our national yeah. security. Give me a break. No, and it's wow. also this is a guy, and they said it was the stress, of the performance stress. David Fravor, he's a, a Top Gun pilot. He's not going to flip out during a training mission. No, no, no. C- can, yeah, no. good point. Let me uh, add a little bit. Commander Fravor at the time was head of the Black Aces. Commander Fravor had more flight time than anybody, and it wasn't just Commander Fravor that saw the tic-tac. There were many eyes, a few planes mm-hmm. up there. Yeah. But he was the one that engaged it. He was the one yeah. that actually chased it. So, yeah, these types of, um, I don't know, detached viewpoints, obviously, they have an, an agenda, you know, a psychological yeah. agenda in trying to dismiss yeah. something 
where the weight I, is so powerful now. I, I love when the bunkers come out and say, uh, by the way, uh, trained Top Gun pilots are no better observers than the average person. <laughs> They, oh, they, you, you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, they, they are. And, and additionally, yeah. uh, hopefully I'll reveal a lot more of this. Yeah. You know, th- there's There were a lot of things going on at that time. There were a lot of systems that we have that we're tracking and that we're following mm-hmm. these. So we're not just talking about eyewitness. That's what makes right. the yeah. Nimitz encounters a great case is we're talking about technologies individuals i will say although it's a very unpopular i'm going to be killed on ufo twitter for this there are a lot of bullshitters out there there's a lot of people that and you can read it in two seconds they're like whining children there's people that come out and they're trying to make a buck off of what's been going on now i'll tell you the people i've interviewed the people i talk with they were resistant to going out publicly they weren't jumping up on podiums and trying to make a dollar off of it. Mm-hmm. So people mm-hmm. say, why didn't you interview this person? Why didn't you interview that person? People don't know who I interviewed. I haven't released everything. Mm-hmm. The people that are most interesting to me are the people that don't have a dog in the fight. The people that are resistant to being known publicly. This is a seminal case for the UFO topic because it's current. And it implies a lot. Uh, it implies a lot of understanding on a government level and a military level of an increased frequency of unknown vehicles of unknown origin of high technology that outpace outmaneuver and shut down some of our most complex communications and weapon systems. So this is an important case. It's a very important case, but just to kind of go back to your point, Dave, mm-hmm. uh, I think that, you know, it's in the eye, eye of the beholder in a way, if you've already made up your mind, There's nothing anybody can do. But if you're willing to look at the evidence and you're willing to really take the time, there's a profound mystery that we are now being led in on that's been held secret by our government for more than 70 years. I'd love to ask Jeremy your opinion on this since you've spoken to Commander Fravor. Um, A lot of skeptics are saying this was the Air Force testing the Navy. I mean, I, I don't know. That sounds mm-hmm. to me that sounds asinine that they would. No, no, that's uh, that's verifiably yeah. false. Okay, it's verifiably false on so many levels. Okay, not even not even talking about the technology and what it can do, and the fact that we don't have this technology. But additionally, that's not how things are tested. That is dangerous. That it, That is not something that is even remotely part of a, a, a reality that, that can be considered. This is not one branch of the government with a technology that has been unused in warfare that all of a sudden we're testing secretly off the coast of California. That's not how it works. Period. Full stop. Bullshit. Anybody that says that, walk away. Better use of your time. This was an unknown object of extreme technology that is very clearly manipulating what we know as gravity in order to uh, maneuver. It was able to shut down our optics and weapon systems on our most advanced systems, as well as our encrypted systems. 
one of the most amazing things about the, the Tic Tac incident is the way that it was able to maneuver to what's called the cap point, which is a later point that Commander Fravor was going to. Somehow, whether it be temporal distortion or let it be some sort of encryption, it was able to know a future movement that one of our pilots were able to do. Dave Foley and I were, today were talking about, well, what have these advanced technologies that we call UFOs, what have they done with our technology? You know, what are they capable of? And this is beyond shadow of a doubt. We know that these technologies can shut down our nuclear weapons. We know that they can manipulate our nuclear weapons. This is something that they have shown before. This is not me just talking. This is a true thing. So this concept of a way a hardcore physical technology interacts with some sort of intelligence that's operating them, whether them be manned or not manned or people are in them or people are not in them. Uh, this is not something we have. This is something we wish we had. One of the greatest moments of my life was being able to speak with the highest ranking military individual that I have ever personally been able to speak with one-to-one, man-to-man, person-to-person, somebody who is in a position to know, somebody who is currently in a position to know. And what he said to me is that if we had these technologies, we would have had been deploying them. We would have been using them. It's so revolutionary. We wish we did have these technologies, these things you're calling UFOs, Jeremy. We wish we had them. We do not have anti-gravitics. We do not have the ability to move through space-time as these craft do. And undeniably, these craft are moving through gravity wave amplification. This is undeniable. Our military knows it. Our intelligence agencies know this. The problem is, is that it's it can be weaponized. So I, I would really pay attention to what Bob Lazar told you. The function of the craft, the science of the craft, I would pay attention to that. That is how these things are moving. And the implications of that are so vast. They're so profound. They can instantly, instantaneously change the way that humanity lives on this earth. So anyway, Dave Foley, thank you for for telling us about Occam's razor because there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of bullshit out there. Well, I'm curious, Dave, on, on your take and others too, what about the one extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence? Because that's another one. Because also Occam's razor is not, I, I understand it. There's not, it's not a scientific thing. It's just a, no. a, a saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a kind of a, a mental. Yeah. It's, it's a scientific version of a, of a kitchen plaque that says, hang in there, baby. Right. Uh, yeah, it's not a scientific principle. And the extraordinary claims thing, okay, that's, it's a valid criticism, uh, but there is extraordinary evidence uh, for those extraordinary claims. Uh, but there, it seems to be there's no requirement for even vaguely accurate claims to debunk. <laughs> right. You know, it's like anything that can debunk one element of a sighting or of an incident is taken to debunk the entire incident and every incident vaguely, vaguely similar to it throughout all of history. You know, if you, you know, it's like if you can, you know, claim that sometimes people have mistaken uh, weather balloons for UFOs, therefore all UFOs are weather balloons. That's mm -hmm. the way the debunking usually goes. 
And that's not very good rigor. And they're more likely Chinese lanterns. Yeah. Well, I mean, like like somebody who's had kind of a bit of an evolution is uh, Michio Kaku. Um, Yes. uh, Yes. Because he he had done uh, a video. I I watched him on YouTube that just infuriated me because I think he's such a smart guy. But he did a whole thing about the Tic Tac UFO saying uh, it was most likely a Russian drone that was able to shut off its en- engines and uh, fly without en- and glide without engines. That's why I didn't. Sh- that's why I didn't have a heat signature, and it was able to maneuver right to left. So that's why it was able to make uh, turns. And that that is most likely what the Tic Tac UFO was. Completely ignoring the fact that gliding uh, uh, drones, a gliding drone, is unlikely to uh, to go from you know, 60 feet above sea level to 60,000 feet in a matter of seconds in a straight line. It isn't likely to uh, make right angle turns. So, it, you know, his explanation didn't match any of the evidence, didn't match any of the observed phenomena, but he, but right. he dismissed the whole thing. D- does everybody, I mean, I don't know if the audience understands the, the difference between reactionary propulsion and gravitational propulsion, but explain it. Billions of people around the world love sports. The Sid B Show will keep you informed on what's going on in the sports world. We cover most sports. To name a few, NBA, NCAR, NFL, MLB, soccer, and more. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Check us out with the link in the description. Say, I'm disturbed. Welcome to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of mysteries, conspiracies, the unusual and the unexplained. Do we have a laser thermometer to figure out if Admiral Byrd is here? I'm pointing the laser at the wall now. 71.1, Admiral Byrd is here. With John, Brent and Conspiracy Bot. You're all idiots. Yeah. Join them each week as they clarify conspiracies. I'm a Stuart Swerdlow. I promise I am human and I do human things. <laughs> Explore enigmas. It's all about ley lines and you'd understand that if I could explain it to you. And probe the paranormal. Hysteria 51 is a hilarious expedition into the eccentric. Stop on my joke. I Thank will when you. they're good. Tune in each week and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, the truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Stay woke, meet sex. Yeah, sure. This is, this is so important, and it's based and built upon the observations of people like Commander Fravor. I do want to talk about that moment when Commander Fravor uh, met with Bob Lazar, and they, there's a photo of it online, and we were all in a room. It was George Knapp, Matt Adams me, Commander Fravor, and Bob Lazar, and they were confirming to one another about the technical specifications required to have these types of maneuvers witnessed by Commander Fravor, and then what Bob described, Bob Lazar described back in 1989. So let's make this really simple. It was a learning curve for, for me, but I find it to be a pivotal aspect of our understanding of how these craft work, which is a small portion of the phenomenon is the UFOs themselves. So a reactionary craft, a reactionary propulsion system is like everything you see. You push something out the back, you move forward. So this is, you know, trains, cars, combustion engines. This is a very basic principle 
of known physics. We don't know all of physics. We are discovering stuff every day. Anybody that says, well, physics proves or disproves this, get a grip. Mm -hmm. We are young as a species, okay? So reactionary propulsion is the idea that you push something on the back, you move forward. Now, why have UFOs over all these years been identified as coming in, we said with the Nimitz case, above 80,000 feet? It was actually outer space, dropping down to 50 feet above the water. Mm -hmm. Okay, So that was the scan volume of the Spy-1 radar was 80,000 feet. That's about where it catches it. These things were coming from above that. So outer space. Now, why have we heard about objects being able to do right-hand turns? Why have we heard about objects being able to drop into the sea without a splash? Why have we been able to hear about these objects? And people witness these objects hovering, stationary, sometimes uh, almost as if they're floating on water. The reason is because the technology that is used is a field propulsion system. It's a non-reactionary system. So instead of pushing something out the back to move forward, you're using high energy to amplify a gravity wave, distorting because gravity is, is uh, in relation to time and space, has an effect. So it's almost like making a pocket that you fall into. And this is something. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. That Bob Lazar said 1989. And it's, it truly is what weaponized my curiosity. It's what made me stop being a passive consumer of information and start being an active participant in trying to understand this stuff is this concept. So push your, put a bowling ball on a bed, spring mattress, push your fist down. And that ball fall, that ball falls towards where you've made the depression. So what's happening with these craft, they're not pushing something out the back to move forward. They're focusing waves of gravity in a direction where they want to be. This distorts time and space. So this is also why things can move optically bah, 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 like this. They might be, but also this might be an optical aspect of the distortion 
of time and space created by a gravity wave. This is understood with the intelligence communities, within the scientific communities, within the multitude of projects in every branch of our military that studies UFOs actively today, which there are, that this is how the craft work. So the concept right behind me, this picture of the flying saucer that Balbazar was able to actually walk into, check it out, right, is that the way these things maneuver is through field propulsion systems, gravity wave amplification. I can solidly say that, take it or leave it. But it's so important because it shows us that not only Bob was right, gravity is a wave, and that it can be amplified like any wave, and that objects are not exploding when they do these 90-degree turns, either because of some sort of optical uh, time-space distortion, but, mo but more likely because their entire way in which they're propelling is different than our concept that we understand as far as reactionary propulsion. So I hope that makes mm -hmm. it a little bit clear to people why that's important. But that's also why that there was Project Galileo, which was the project which for, for the propulsion system at Site 4 that Bob worked on. But there was also Project Looking Glass, which looked at temporal distortions by this amplification, gravity amplification system. There was uh, Project Sidekick, which is looking at the weaponization of gravity amplification, which is massively powerful. So we can understand why everything's hush about this, because whoever gains the ability to replicate this technology as a nation, they fucking win. They fucking win. It's as simple as that. So this concept of secrecy, think about the atomic bomb, this concept of cover-up, <clears throat> it is real. It is happening. This is what uh, we are guarding, is this idea that we can take uh, elements out of a, a propulsion system and use them for things like weaponization. That's the reality. So I hope I've kind of described what gravity amplification is or, or what uh, gravity distortion is in very simple terms compared to a reactionary propulsion system. But it is at the crux and core of what we're talking about when we talk about the machines. So does that help? I don't know. Do my yeah, best here. I, I, yeah. I'd like to add too, I had Jeremy on our uh, TV show recently and my partner is one of the most skeptical people on the planet. And she dis dismissed Bob Lazar immediately until Jeremy brought to us a video of Jeremy showing the gimbal video, 2015 video, to Bob Lazar for the very first time. And that was a revelatory moment for me and for my partner to see that what's being displayed in this UFO video from 2015 is eerily similar to exactly how Bob Lazar said these craft functioned. Anti-gravitic, pulling instead of pushing. Um, we see this in the gimbal video, which just stunned me when Jeremy first brought that to me. And then my partner, after all was said and done, all the Hollywood bullshit was over. I asked her straight up, like, do you think this is authentic? Do you think Bob Lazar is who he says he is? And she said, yes. And I'm not afraid to say that on the air. Like that didn't make it in the show, but she told me straight up. She said, I can't, I can't, I can't deny it anymore. So that was a it's, big moment. It's really hard to dismiss. I mean, especially once you know Bob and you know kind of 
you know, what he's gone through personally. And, and you get to actually get to that position, which, which most people obviously won't. He probably wouldn't believe it if it was, you know, for, the roles were reversed, he said. However, he wouldn't dismiss it. And we are seeing that. We're seeing now popularly people are talking about how the, the craft will turn belly first oh, yeah. Yeah. To, yeah, to, to move in that direction. So this is obviously one form in which these unknown objects seem to travel is through this, you know, triad of uh, gravity amplification. But the you, you guys, I wish you were in the room for this. When Commander David Fravor and Bob Lazar were able finally, with George Knapp, Matt Adams, and me in the room, they were finally able to go over optically and technologically what Commander Fravor was able to ascertain from the experience. And then talking with Bob Lazar about what he witnessed in attempting to reverse engineer, which is completely impossible. Our material science is the number one boundary when it comes to uh, being able to replicate these gravity amplification systems. But in that meeting, to see them go back and forth on a scientific level, because Commander Fraber is an engineer as well. I mean, he is absolutely one of, not not just a fighter pilot, he's got brains, man. So the, the ability to see them talk the ability to see them go over the specifications of what it would be required from energy and power to the type of propulsion. It was a very powerful meeting. And I, I hope one day, you know, the look, I like studying this shit. It's cool when I can film it and show to other people. Obviously, 99.9% of what I do on a daily basis is not filmed and put out for people. But that would be a meeting. That would be a meeting for people to see. So it's cool to see Bob Lazar dissect that video. And it's cool your skeptical friend starts understanding a little more, but this is so much bigger. You know, so anyway, I just wanted to relay that that was a powerful meeting that people yeah. should pay attention to. Well, I was gonna say one of the, for me, one of the most powerful things about your movie about Bob is is outside of the uh, like the technical revelations of it and the stories he tells about what he worked on, was the fact that when you watch the movie, uh for me it was the first time I'd had enough time to sit and feel like I was with him. Uh, un, 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 sort of uh, uh, unobstructed, I guess, would be one way to put it. And you, you can't escape the idea that this is a, a very rational, extremely intelligent person who has nothing to gain from saying the things he's saying. And that's like a really powerful thing to just realize, well, there's no reason to not believe him. You know? If you get to spend, you know, I, thanks, Dave, for saying that. The, the point of the movie was to do two things. One was to uplift the visual medium of UFO movies mm -hmm. because most are crap. And I just wanted to see something I'd want to watch. But it was to humanize. You know, it's, it's harder mm -hmm. to violently dismiss somebody that you can just, you know, you label them crazy because they're talking about something you don't want to deal with. It's harder to do that when someone is humanized. When you're able to show, yeah. hey, this is his dog, this is his wife, this is his mom, these are his friends. What would be his, it's like in court, what's motive? The, the mm -hmm. lies out there that Bob has somehow um, benefited in any way, financially, yeah. in any way. They're mm -hmm. all fucking bullshit. Yeah. We well, have a so guy that to poison people's minds against someone. Like you look at what happened to Bob Carey in the Swift boat back in by you know the Bush uh, campaign. You know, that you're able to take someone who is clearly definably done something heroic and just tell people it wasn't and people will believe it, even though the facts don't support what they're saying. And why and should a whistle yeah. Why should a whistleblower 
be a saint too, though. So to to Jeremy yeah. giving the humanity, obviously Bob Lazar is not a perfect human being like you or me. No. Yeah. You're perfect. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Is that what I said? No, that, it just sounded, I, I love it. You seem perfect. Um, I was making a joke. No, look, uh, Poe Buddy's nerfic, as I've been told many times. Um, but the yeah, the, the idea that, so Bob does not see himself as a whistleblower. He came forward with the information out of fear for his own life and for his wife at the time. Uh, that was very real stuff. This is not cloak and dagger bullshit. You know, this is... He was being monitored and st- he allowed them to tap his phones when he first got the job. That's no problem. He was actually told his wife was having an affair by agents. He didn't know. It was because they tapped his phone. George Knapp has met one of the people that was tasked with following him. So has Bob. They proved it to them. That's a, an incredible thing. So this idea that he benefited from this okay you just don't know bob you just don't know the story you just don't know what actually happened or you're dismissing it because you don't want to hear it he has not benefited this has been heartache it's been traumatic i i I, he's ripping off his clark kent outfit though he stepped forward again after 30 years and i am so grateful that he did that he put a lot of trust in me he thought you know he'd just be pitchforked again and it would destroy his life again and we've seen the opposite now people are, because maybe of December 2017, I don't know, but people are starting to pay attention. It would be reckless not to do it. And he doesn't really care if any individual, I mean, it's got to take a toll after 30 years of people talking shit. I mean, I hate opening Twitter these days. I'm just trying to help people that want to learn, but it feels bad opening it, right? So I could only imagine what he went through. Uh, he does not see himself as a whistleblower. He did it for self-preservation, but now. At this point in his life, he truly feels, not one individual, but in general, it's important people understand there is science and there is technology, and it is being held back from humanity by a military faction, because there's not just one government, but by a faction, and everything that's been done to dismiss and harm him, you know, he's weathered it. He's he's not a whistleblower, but he's heroic. Uh, as a friend, he's a heroic person. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that people are starting to listen and, uh, you know, people need to judge for themselves. I'm curious, guys. Uh, I know uh, there's a couple media things that have been out there. There's, there's the new Skinwalker Show Ranch, uh, the Skinwalker Ranch Show. And then there, there's also uh, the idea of without mentioning anybody who's full, you know, completely full of shit. But there's this idea about summoning. And uh, I wanted to hear Dave Foley. I I was in conflict. I had this problem with, I'm a nuts and bolts guy, craft. But I've witnessed this summoning shit. And it's it's pretty compelling. And I was like, I called Dave or texted Dave. And I was like, man, I can't wrap my head around this. How could machines be connected to our consciousness? And he told me something that just like really allowed me to understand this a little bit more. So would you mind telling us about that, Dave? Oh, sure. If you if no one else minds. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, we were talking about that, and and the thing that it made me think of right away was uh, Princeton's uh, Universal Consciousness Project, which was a project they set up, uh, I forget how long ago, about 20 years ago now, I think. Um, uh, well, yeah, so it was right before uh, 9-11 that they set it up. But they started studying whether or not people paying attention to a machine could have an effect on the machine. 
So they set up random number generators and had people to sit in a room with a random number generator and think about the machine. Uh, and what they found was that when someone does that, the machine veers away from being random and starts producing patterns of numbers. And they thought that's weird. And they, so they kept doing it and they kept repeating it and they kept, it was repeatable over and over and over again. And then they thought, well, what happens if more people are thinking about something? So they decided they would set up random number generators all around the world um, and monitor world events and see what happens when a major event happens that has a lot of people thinking about it. And right after that, 9-11 happened. And what they found was that the, uh, the, all of the machines all across the world at once veered away from randomness and started producing patterns of numbers um, as a response to the, and so the effect seems to be connected to the number of people thinking about something. Mm -hmm. Another example where it, it veered was uh, when uh, prime minister of Canada died, Pierre Trudeau and his son, now the prime minister, Justin Trudeau gave the eulogy. Um, you had 30 million Canadians all listening to this eulogy pretty much at the same time. And there was another event where, the randomness uh, went went off significantly, but specifically in those machines in the area of Canada. Um, so they found that, that consciousness was having an effect on machines. So if we're discovering that now, and we have this very primitive understanding of how, of, of how consciousness can have an effect on things, we have to assume that any technology advanced of ours as, as far advanced of, uh, of ours as these UFOs obviously have to be, they must be also really advanced in terms of manipulating uh, the connection of consciousness to machines and to each other and, and being able to manipulate consciousness. Uh, so that's why to me, when I heard about the, the you know, the, these people saying that, that there was a connection to their consciousness it seems obvious that there is a mechanical way to connect to consciousness that we're already discovering. So a few thousand years from now, we'll actually be able to turn it into uh, a meaningful technology. And so it's my, more that's, than that's, just that's ma machines. Yeah. And it's yeah. more than just machines, right? Machines are picking up that connection yes. between and, consciousness and engaging. Consciousness are connected to each other. Right. And so I think the bigger picture is that consciousness influences physical reality. This is not some hippie mm -hmm. bullshit. This is just yeah. that our consciousness has a dynamic uh, dance with what we know to be or understand limitedly what reality is. So the mm -hmm. idea that machines can pick that up and actually yeah. have an effect, then this idea that consciousness and what we call UFOs, that there is an intimate connection it kind of mended that wound for me as a nuts and bolts, yeah. you know, Bob Lazar UFO guy. And um, well, me too. I, yeah, I'm very non-spiritual guy, and you know, I don't like anything spiritual as an explanation of anything. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We the, the whole chakra thing and did you reduce? Yeah. Forget about it. But I'm just saying, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in general, that this is a you profound. You should have defended our, our ET contact and spirituality session earlier. <laughs> No, no, not having yeah. it, not doing it. Yeah. Keep your crystals to well, yourself. Yeah. Namaste over here. You're going to stay yeah. over there. But because um, I do, but you I know, the, yeah, the, that that connection, that consciousness connection is, uh, yeah, it is basically. It makes sense when you realize that that reality itself emerges out of the quantum uh, l uh, level of reality. You know, it's a quantum phenomenon, 
and yeah. consciousness is also a quantum phenomena. So they're, they're both existing in the same level and they're both coming out of that, you know, and then everything we perceive beyond the quantum is kind of an illusion anyway. Yeah. I, I recently um, interviewed Leslie Keen, the investigative journalist on her, um, mm. her book, surviving death about the afterlife. And it was really interesting because I went into this thinking I was going to be having like a spiritual or religious conversation. And um, that was like the first thing she said to me was the word God was not in my book once. (laughs) It's like a Mm -hmm. 350 page book. And I found that really interesting. And I agree with both of you that we are getting closer to the science behind consciousness and on the quantum level. And that's, Mm -hmm. I I do agree. I think it's going to take a really long time to get there. But the idea that consciousness is part of the afterlife, and this is how we may be able to communicate with those whose consciousness has moved on, gone to another vessel, whatever you want to call it. um, Why not? Why can't that be connected to whatever UFOs represent? I, I think it's fascinating. And Jeremy, you did mention the whole, you know, sort of CE5 thing too. Um, this is a huge movement right now. Well, I didn't, and I didn't all else, say C, CE5, but yeah, you know, know, I, I, I feel you. I feel, I, you. I feel like we were inching there, but I, I feel like- You're all seeing, crazy. Just when, when all else fails, when nuts and bolts fails, like what, you know, what are we left with? And I think the yeah. quantum level is, has something to do with that. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I don't believe we have souls, but I, I do believe there's something to the ghost phenomenon. You know, mm-hmm. and when I tell people that, you know, I'm an atheist, but I believe ghosts are probably real. They go, well, how can you, how can you believe in that without believing we have a soul? And I said, well, I, like, I, I believe the phenomenon exists because we have, you know, thousands of years of anecdotal evidence for it. You know, and I, yeah, I don't the, think the you only can reason dismiss why, thousands of years. The only reason why things are paranormal is because they're not normalized yet, because we haven't yeah. figured out exactly how they're working. And this is something that, you know, I talked a lot with Dr. Edgar Mitchell before he passed away, was able to film with him. You know, he's a guy that when he was coming back from the moon, he had an epiphany and he realized, you know, his interconnectivity of his consciousness with the planet he was coming back to. And he started the Institute of Noetic Sciences. So this and I, I was kind of joking, Ryan. I mean, we are talking about this idea where people are believing that their consciousness is somehow interacting with these machines in the sky or whatever. And uh, undoubtedly, there, there's something to it. Uh, un- undoubtedly. And we have to separate mm. the messenger from the message. That's really That's important so because the UFO world, it does inspire lots of schizophrenia, inspires a lot of uh, uh, fa- fantasy. But that doesn't mean that there isn't... Um, real power in looking into these realms that feel uncomfortable. I'm personally allergic to that kind of high weirdness, but I'm confronted by it. I'm confronted by it because of things like Skinwalker Ranch. And you guys know that that George Knapp, who has been an amazing mentor to me in in journalism, he jumped into that and he looked at it and and the scientists and Dr. Colin Kelleher and Eric Davis and, and Nids and Jacques Ballet and Hal Putoff and some of the brightest minds that we have, Kit Green, all these people, they've been looking into this for quite some time. It is an undeniable fact that the phenomenon, which includes UFOs, that it does interact 
almost in a in, in a playful manner or a performance manner. It does interact with humanity and with, with human consciousness. And you've got some place like Skinwalker Ranch, which is being used as a living laboratory. Again, boundaries are false. We know that from Corona. But the idea that that you can have a place and you can study it. So like the show that just came out, millions of people are watching this show. Millions of people. So it is opening that door for us uh, under the new ownership of Skinwalker Ranch. It is opening that door for us to have this conversation, to face our the imposition of our you know preconceptions. You know, I firmly feel consensus reality needs to catch up with physical reality, and and, and that's on us. Consensus mm-hmm. reality is wrong; it is incomplete. Yeah. And so now it's time that we, you know, we start looking at this stuff in fun ways, in entertainment, personally, uh, having these conversations. And I know probably like you all been the crazy uncle or crazy aunt in the family, you know, interested in UFOs. But this topic is big. It's, it's big because it looks at the idea of not only are we alone in the universe, but it also, it looks into the concept of is reality as we understand it is it is it like a dave foley you said to me today looking at the screen of your iphone it tells you mm. nothing about what's going on in, on the inside of that iPhone. yeah that's the can you uh, tell tell me about that a, a Hoff- second that's actually a guy donald hoffman who's a cognitive psychologist but he's putting out this theory that um that basically our senses evolved not to reveal reality to us, but to conceal reality from us. Um, that, How do you mean that? That it that what that our uh, that our basically our senses were creating a user interface that is understandable and and useful. It is not about knowing what's really going on. Like we we look at our our iPhones and we can send emails on our iPhones or we can watch videos on our iPhones without having any concept about what is going on behind that that piece of glass that we're staring at. We have no idea what's happening because, and every, most of the things that are happening inside the phone are happening at a quantum level as well. But uh, so he said that, that our senses were basically just set up not to reveal reality to us, but to filter reality out so that we can maneuver and survive. We can avoid being eaten. We can find mates, we can find food. And those were the things that we needed senses to direct us towards. And that anything that, uh, that didn't provide those uh, that sort of a, a filter that user interface to dealing with reality uh, would be discarded uh, through evolution because uh, it wouldn't, you know, it's like we needed for survival to know the yeah. meaning of life. Yeah. Whereas if you, if some, if some creature did evolve that was able to perceive reality at a, at a quantum level, uh, it most likely would get eaten by a lion and not <laughs> reproduce and not, you know, it would not dominate the species. Um, so he was saying that, that evolution weeds out reality in terms of our senses. And I don't fully understand, but it's, but his, and he believes that essentially the, the, the universe is, is, is really built up of conscious entities and, uh, consciousness, the consciousness itself is the baseline reality mm-hmm. of the universe. Um, but that, you know, but our, 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 our illusion of reality is nothing to do with consciousness. Right. It's very useful. 
Yeah, it's useful. But it's unrelated, yeah. Yeah, it said that, yeah, anything, and he said he's run like evolutionary models, and anytime he runs a model where, uh, you know, where he imposes the idea of, of, uh, of really perceiving reality as opposed to having a user interface that's useful, uh, they quickly disappear. They quickly get destroyed. Yeah, in, in jujitsu, we had a saying, it's called the 90 90 rule, right? You train 90% of the time the stuff that works at 90% of the, the the time and the techniques that, that work the remaining 10%, you know, maybe you, you, you study those 10% of the time. So the idea that our physical, tangible perception of reality is useful at least 90% of the time, then we're, mm-hmm. we're going to focus on that. However, yeah. it's, it's the rest of it that if we have the luxury to look into, we have the luxury to think about, to study, to analyze, to dig deep, to find out more. That's the cutting edge. That's where things are going to change. Yeah. And you have to wonder, like, hypothetically, is that what this phenomenon, if we're going to talk UFO, I'd rather say phenomena, I guess, uh, is that the end goal? Are they trying to get us back to that point of getting to the, um, you know, the other side of that uh, filtering mm-hmm. mechanism, I guess. I do wonder, is there an end goal, I guess? Yeah, I mean, you know, who are they? I mean, that's something that yeah. uh, Foley and I were talking about today. It's like, you know, these um, occupants or these controllers of these vehicles, which is one small part of the phenomenon, the UFO topic, this part of it, that, you know, how invested are they in humankind what are the things that we've witnessed that they've done? We've seen them toying with our nuclear weapons. But other than that, I mean, they're not coming around and shooting a vaccine of light for Corona. I mean, what's really yeah. going on? And Dave, t- I mean, just because I'm greedy, Dave, tell us a little bit about that, Dave. I agree with Ryan in that I think phenomena is a better term. I think there are some of the phenomena, like I think the, your friend who is involved with summoning the the Jim Martin, the guy that had that yeah, video recently yeah, the of things the thing that dropping. he summons, yeah, that yeah. seems to be different from the the nuts and bolts kind of sightings that a lot of other people have, where it doesn't feel like there's uh, any desire on the part of these people to really connect with us in some way. But these these people that want to seem to these craft that seem to want to interact with our consciousness, maybe there is an interest there in us. Uh, right, like the the object that was docking with the the USO unidentified submerged object when Commander Fravor came up, the Tic Tac was, for lack of a better term, docking. It it was ignoring the fighter pilots. It was ignoring them until it noticed, in his own words, noticed him, and then came and mirrored his exact movements. So mm-hmm. it was doing a job. It was doing something else. It wasn't there for him. It wasn't a personal thing. However, a lot of the sightings do end up being very uniquely personal. And I've seen things like that myself where certain people mm-hmm. can see them, other people can't until you put a camera on them and they see the, the object in the camera and then they, then they can see it with their eyes. So this yeah. idea of passivity, this idea that some of these objects are doing more than just like mapping or something, that they're engaging yeah. people. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you got to look at it um, if you want to draw a parallel that uh, somebody who works for an oil drilling company uh, will go into a jungle and find a place where there might be oil. And he might not notice any of the flora and fauna in that jungle. He might not take any time to watch, you know, leafcutter ants. 
and marvel at what they do. Uh, he's just going to go find oil and leave, right? But then you have someone like uh, Jane Goodall who will go into the jungle and devote her whole life to understanding something, another creature. So perhaps in the UFO phenomena, there are some people whose job is just to come and, and get oil and mm-hmm. other people whose job is to come and understand what's going on. Different, probably different species and, and within different species, probably uh, just like us, variety of tasks that uh, are performed and a variety of intent yeah and that you know so that you know if you want to find out about you know about uh the ecosystems of the jungle don't ask the oil guy i i work with experiencers dave and witnesses that's Mm -hmm. that's my i guess approach to ufology and one case um i'm recalling is a woman in detroit who came to me with one of the most stunning cases I've heard of in Michigan over body water. She sees a triangular UFO uh, calls her daughter to come out. She's like 15 years old and they're both looking up at this thing. And the mother said she felt euphoric while looking up and that it was completely silent. And then she looks over at her 15 year old daughter and she's crouched on the ground, covering her ears and saying how unbearably loud the craft is. So Mm -hmm. There's an objective reality to the UFO phenomenon, clearly. Um, but yeah. the subjectivity of it actually speaks to me more. Um, yeah. The observer having the experience. Yeah. So I, yeah. I do find it fascinating that we can look at it as, yes, nuts and bolts craft, um, uh, distinct reality of a phenomenon. And then we look at the person having the experience and how they mm. decide to embrace that or reject it. Um, the mom is like totally into it now. She has tons of sightings. She has high strangeness experiences. Mm -hmm. The daughter, she said, fuck this. I want nothing to do with it. I never want to talk about this again. Um, I'm done. So I think it's really interesting. These people having the experiences, Navy pilots included, you know, I'm sure one of them went one way with it and another went a completely different way. I think that. Yeah, the the less trained pilot had a lot of fear and it freaked him out and commander Fraber said i'm gonna go check that out i want to see who's flying that so yeah there's a big difference yeah there is and that lens you look at the experience through i think has a lot to do with this the stuff that donald hoffman talks about in in, even in prepping his lectures he talks about the fact that our our experience of reality at a very fundamental day-to-day level is subjective you know yeah. that we will. You know that we. Can, that's how optical illusions work. Right. Is because our ex, our experience of reality is uh, is subjective, and that you can you can see things as being different colors when they aren't different colors, uh, depending on the context that you're seeing them in. Uh, you know, you 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 have the. Uh, you know, is is it a duck or a rabbit? You can only see it one way or another. That optical mm-hmm. illusion, because our because reality is subjective. And and because it's subjective, it's inaccurate. And so no one can know to, you know, you know, it's almost like the old saying of uh, seeing is believing. It's closer to actually believing is seeing is the is probably closer to the reality of how we perceive Uh the world. Come out with a certain perspective. So speaking of the world right now and how we perceive it, and we've talked for over an hour and I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to. Um, I'm going to try to wrap us up with a, I mean, we could just keep the stream going all night and everybody could hang out and we could talk about UFOs all night. And you guys should keep doing that after you get off the live chat (laughs) at home with your friends, like keep, keep talking about it. Um, What is, and I know you answered this earlier, Ryan, but 
you can in the festival, but we can participate again. We'll just go around. We'll start with you, Ryan. Um, what are you most looking forward to doing when this stupid quarantine is over? Going outside. I mean, that's the simplest answer. Um, I've been trapped in my closet of a New York apartment for over a month now. Um, and just looking up, I mean, uh, there's mass UFO sightings going on during this lockdown, which is incredible. You know, everyone's home and everyone's like looking for any excuse to just pop their head out the window and look at the sky. Um, so I think it's an exciting time. Uh, like Jeremy said earlier, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the new normal that's going to come out of this. And, um, and what I can do to, um, to just keep the ball rolling. I mean, I know the minute I have the opportunity, I'm going to Phoenix to um, meet with a Zuni elder and uh, look at the Phoenix lights in a whole new way. So that's what I'm most excited about. Um, and honestly, just seeing my family and, um, and just, you know, living life to the fullest. But in the meantime, I'm digging into a lot of old UFO books, valet, and to look at the stones I never unturned before and, and looking at this phenomenon in a whole new light. You are such a hard worker. I've been like reporting on UFOs for a while and there's just the amount of amazing content you put out and the frequency is incredible. And you've been doing a lot of interviews right now. You're hardly just hanging out at home. So <laughs> yeah, there's very, if I did that, I'd go crazy. So thank God for you four and um, for, or three. Wow. I can't even count. Um, <laughs> I'm going crazy. Include yourself. But no. include, yeah. Include yeah. Yourself. I'll include myself. The Royal we. Yeah. yeah. Um, no. So no, glurp. Glurp. <laughs> yeah. Where'd he go? Um, no, I stuff like this has been amazing. So I hope when we are allowed to go back out into society, we still come together and do stuff like this. Cause I think that's a lot of businesses are probably going to go that way too. They're going to look at their business model and be like, why the hell are we renting a building every month to put these people in? Like, let's just do this from home. Mm -hmm. So everything's going to change after this. And, um, I'm, I'm, it's disappointing that it took a crisis to do that but um hey that's the way society works you know you rebuild in a whole new light and i think that's goes for the ufo topic as well yeah so yeah thank you what about you jeremy what are you looking forward to i'm really enjoying being a hermit i'm an i'm an extrovert but uh you know the 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 world is a is a fickle thing so I'm, i'm really enjoying going through the footage of the over the last 10 years 99% 99% of which people have never seen. Oh. And I know there's going to be a lack in content. So I'm going to try to have a voice in that. I'm going to put out some new content. So really, I, I think rather than thinking about what's happening tomorrow, right now, spending time with friends and family and doing the best we can. And you know, germs are real. This is real. This is not some big conspiracy. This is happening. And we all are realizing our boundaries and borders are, are fake and that we have to work together in order to stay healthy and find a way to live where, you know, we can gain all of those things from one another. Information, fucking hugs, you know, but we have to do it in a way where we think about one another. I see these protests, people saying it's a big conspiracy because you, you imagine my email box every morning is just filled with garbage. I mean thousands of messages of garbage and this image came to me where it's like all these protesters our civil liberties our rights all this stuff and then one one medical worker 
who you know is going to have to deal with all these people who are shoulder to shoulder selfishly, selfishly going outside and, and, and trying to say they're pissed. Right now is a time for us to be introspective, to, to show love and to, to, to be there for people that need us and to kind of help everybody out and stop thinking just about ourselves. So I'm looking forward, obviously, to filming more interviews, to putting out more footage. But the number one thing, which I'm most excited about, is playing with this laser gun from Bob Lazar. Because let me tell you something, this is this is a serious laser gun. <laughs> so, what did you just uh, set on fire in your house? I no, just burned a little <laughs> bit of the door. It's 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 not a toy. But anyway, I'm just joking around. But look, I'm I'm really grateful. You know, Jane, you you put together something really cool for people. Um, this is something that I think you could do more regularly. I know it takes a lot of time and effort. Uh, I, I really appreciate you all being here and, and Ryan as well. Look, we're fans of your work, man. You know, you, you are a hard worker, both of you. And so it's, it's so cool to see everybody coming at this from, from a good place and, and a place of wanting to, to get knowledge. And I'm grateful for Dave Foley. You know, he's got a loud voice. Who is and, you know, yeah, well, <laughs> Who isn't grateful for Dave Foley? We're going to laser beam them. But, uh, you know, just the fact that you're willing to talk about this with us knuckleheads, I really appreciate it. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of it. I think that everybody should just push the pause a, a little bit and um, dive into the things they're passionate about and take care of the true priorities, you know, family, friends and health and that kind of thing. So that's what's up for me is let's see where this goes. But we're in it together. How about you, Dave? Uh, well. Let's see. Well, one thing I, I would like to get back to learning more about all, all of these subjects that we've been talking about today um, on a professional level, I'm going to have to get back to work on the uh, kids in the hall uh, TV series that we're, we're in the middle of writing when this all started. And, uh, but my main thing is I'm looking forward to getting back outside and, and looking strangers because it's something I used to really enjoy. You'd be surprised how different uh, strangers taste. <laughs> Not going to dive into that one, Foley. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's it. That's that. just we're going to end it. it. Yep. <laughs> we'll end it on that one. He's no, going to go. We're going to go find Foley going around and smelling strangers the second it's legal to do it again. Oh, not smelling them, licking them, licking them. I'm not an animal. I'm not a dog. Thing. I couldn't think of a better way to end this than with yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, let's just. Thank, thank you, everybody, for joining in for live chatting. Sorry if we didn't get to your questions. Um, but I know all these folks are out there on social, so go ask them there, go buy something online. If you can, from some UFO alien inspired, go listen to Ryan's podcast, go watch Jeremy's movie, um, go check out kids in the hall when it comes out. Um, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much.
Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 